Hello, and welcome back to the Healthcare Executive Insights Podcast. My name is Elliot Sloan with the McAllen Group. Today, we are very excited to welcome our guests, Ms. Allison Augusta Shrikande, who is the co-founder and chief medical officer at Pelvic Rehabilitation Medicine. Allison, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about your professional background, and then we'll talk about your medical group. Sure. So I am a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor, otherwise known as PM&R or rehab. Um, And I focus on the pelvis. So we are really pelvic rehab doctors. Uh, We uh, treat anything from the belly button to the mid thigh that in terms of pain or discomfort or issues with bowel bladder intercourse is the pelvic floor sling. And my background, I trained, um, I did my um, medical school in Ireland at the Royal College of Surgeons. And then I did my internship in surgery at Harvard Medical School, uh, Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital. And then I completed my physical medicine and rehab uh, residency at NYU Langone Medical Center. Um, After graduating, I went to uh, Cornell and was uh, an attending there and helped to start the outpatient musculoskeletal pelvic health um, clinic there. Wow. Um, And then from there, I went to private practice in New York City prior to co-founding uh, pelvic rehabilitation medicine, PRM, with my husband and co-founder, Dr. Gautam Shrikande. Wow. It sounds like you have had some of the most elite training and uh, experiences out there for medical um, training. Yeah, no, I've been lucky enough to be exposed to amazing mentors um, and teachers uh, throughout my career. And it really is a blessing and has helped a lot. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that this specialty of PM&R doctors is really about drilling down on complicated conditions and finding a diagnostic when it can be challenging to find a diagnostic. Is that correct? That's exactly right, Elliot. I'd say um, two things that really for the PM&R training and physician. One would be we pride ourselves on what we call root cause analysis. Um, So we we really don't own one organ system, right? So we really are uh, able to look at the body and see the interconnectedness between um, the different organ systems with each other, um, as well as with the peripheral nervous system, central nervous system. Um, so, it, so it's interesting, but you're right. Because of that, I think root cause analysis and getting to the primary uh, generators or pain generators in our world of pelvic pain comes a little easier to us because that's how we were trained from day one. Um, and then also uh, the second thing is something called in the world of rehab, we exist because it's of neuroplasticity. Um, sure. And really that's just a fancy term, meaning your nervous system can change, right? It's, so it can, the pendulum can swing in different directions. Um, so, if, I mean, originally our, our field was started uh, post a lot of stroke rehab. So someone had a stroke, they're not able to move their right arm at first, right? However, because of that concept of neuroplasticity, um, the rehab world was formed um, and we were able to, for many patients, get them functioning back and moving their right arm again. So conceptually at PRM, I really just applied those concepts 
to pelvic pain and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, that neuroplasticity concept for treating our patients. You must have a knack for being a detective, so to speak, and really liking to go the extra mile to lift up every rock and see what's underneath it. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about pelvic rehabilitation medicine and who you guys serve and, uh, you know, where your practices are located. Yeah. So we at pelvic rehabilitation medicine or PRM, we serve patients with chronic pelvic pain and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. The majority of our patients are women, but we do see men as well. It's about 75% women, 25% men. Um, we are a national healthcare company uh, located from New York City to LA, um, but we're in New York City, New Jersey, uh, Long Island. Uh, we're in Washington, D.C. area. We're in Bethesda, Maryland, and we're opening um, in a couple weeks in uh, Falls Church, Virginia. Wow. And we're also in Miami, uh, Florida, as well as West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas. We're in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, wow. Detroit, Michigan, as well as Chicago, Illinois. And then our West Coast now is L.A. So Very impressive. Congratulations. That's a huge operation. Yeah, thank you. It's exciting. It's been really exciting and to see, you know, the, the need um, and being able to uh, bring the care to our patients nationally that's, that's needed. Yeah, I believe that there's a lot of people that need your help and your services um, and your expertise. Tell me about, um, you know, the fact that pelvic pain can be overlooked, I've heard, um, where patients may have conditions that are hard to identify what's the cause and they're dealing with a lot of pain and they're kind of running up against the wall of what's going on here yeah definitely particularly chronic pelvic pain and the word chronic just means any the symptoms um what going on for greater than six months so that's really what that definition is and why because um really two things in the world of chronic pelvic pain uh, at PRM, we really specialize in the nerves and the muscles of the pelvis. Um, and in, when pelvic pain has been going on for more than six months, the nerves are very inflamed and the pelvis, the muscles there are in spasm. That is what happens. Um, and that is a clinical diagnosis. So that would not show up on the classic workup for a patient, such as imaging, ultrasounds, MRIs, blood work. Um, so that is why it is often missed because it's a clinical diagnosis and really you have to um, know how to do an internal exam, which again is, is uh, and evaluate the muscles and nerves, which is not that common in the healthcare profession to, to really be trained and know how to do that. Um, and then also within the realm of chronic pelvic pain, uh, endometriosis is one in nine women, right? Extremely prevalent disease process. Um, and our patients are often... Um, not diagnosed and ignored by the healthcare system because, again, another um, issue where endo, endo does not have a diagnostic. The only way to diagnose it, technically, the gold standard is a surgery. So you'd have to go in, have a surgery, and then take pathology and the pathology report. Uh, so you can imagine the delay with the di diagnosis for endometriosis. It's The average is seven to eight years wow. before any, any of our patients from when they first go to a healthcare provider complaining of their symptoms to getting an actual diagnosis. So uh, um, those are really the two main re reasons is we're 
really dealing with um, issues that I think in the healthcare system, we don't have a, a quick di diagnostic for either of those, the nerve and muscle issues and the endometriosis. Wow, it sounds extremely challenging to really tackle, but it sounds like you're offering non-operative and operative solutions for this condition. That's exactly right, Elliot. At PRM, um, we really believe in a comprehensive approach to endometriosis. So endometriosis, the definition of what it is, is endometrial-like cells are found outside of the uterus. So the lining of the uterus, those cells, that cells that are similar to that are found outside of the uterus. That's really yeah. the definition. Um, and when what happens with those cells, they get continuously, they get inflamed. So it's an inflammatory process. And then they heal with scarring. So it's constant inflammation, scarring, inflammation, scarring repetitively throughout um, a patient's life. Um, so it is an estrogen dependent disease process. Um, and I mean, conceptually, it's a systemic inflammatory disease process, right? So it's really not just located in the pelvis. Um, so that's why it is very important to have a comprehensive approach here. And when I say comprehensive, we have our core model, which really is a office-based procedural approach, non-operative, of course, really focused at treating that inflammatory process in the pelvis, which we call neurogenic inflammation. So reversing sure. that inflammatory process and reversing the concomitant spastic pelvic floor musculature that only makes the inflammatory process worse. So that is what our kind of core model would be and that non-operative ultrasound guided office-based procedural direct treatment to the pelvic nerves and muscles. But then we also have um, integrative nutrition in-house and behavioral health in-house to help with the down-regulation of that central nervous system because when patients do have those pain symptoms for quite some time, their central nervous system also gets upregulated. Um, sure. And then we also do have surgeons scattered throughout the country um, because for, you know, we do try to get patients um, as early as we can, but if we get them later, their endometriosis can be at a later stage, right? Um, and so then the surgery would be, you know, uh, their, their option there. Um, and then we work together with the surgeon. Sometimes we'll treat before the surgery in hopes that the patient's going to bounce back quicker after surgery and use less or no opioids um, post-op if we do that. Because um, sometimes we'll treat after if, you know, the, you know, there's residual neurogenic inflammatory issues, which is very common and residual muscular issues and central sensitization. So we all work together. It's that sure. comprehensive approach. Um, to treat the patient. I think that's the biggest problem in our healthcare space is the non-holistic approach to treating patients and looking at all systems and how they all work together. Treating one piece at a time doesn't always make the best results for the patient. Um, I'm curious how many of these patients that you're treating are able to get pain relief and never have to go into a procedure? Uh, a procedure mean a surgery or? Yeah. A Correct. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we are very outcome forward and we're collecting a lot of uh, outcome data. So 80% of our patients show a statistically significant decrease in their VAS, their pain score. Wow. Um, and on average, it's a 50% decrease in your pain score and anywhere from six to eight weeks after treatment. 
That's amazing. Um, we are showing that we are keeping our patients, you know, once they meet us, we're keeping them out of the emergency room, um, which ultimately leads to an, um, less hospital admissions for our patients, right? It's a 97% decrease in ER visits. Wow. So essentially, we're really keeping them out of the ER, which when they go to the ER, they the workup again would be normal. It's frustrating for them. They're given opioids, which don't help. If anything, they make everything worse, really, for our patients. Um, so so I think that that is a huge, huge win. Um, and we're keeping also we're we're showing that um, we are keeping our patients working. Right. We're, we're looking at absenteeism and presenteeism data. Um, presenteeism means being able to focus right where you're at work. Um, and the data is astounding. I mean, we're collecting it every day. So it's constantly um, uh, the numbers are constantly uh, the ends getting bigger and bigger. But sure. really, we're showing that, you know, we're able to keep our patients not only going to work, but being present at work. Um, and then we're keeping them functioning. So we're looking at something called uh, functional pelvic pain scale, where we're saying when patients, after our treatment, they're able to sleep, they're able to exercise, they're able to have intercourse where they wouldn't be able to have intercourse before. Um, and their their bladder and bowel functions are also much improved. Um, sure. so, so yeah, that's all kind of the outcomes, function, quality of life, as well as pain. Um, and then we are looking at um, one-year data for patients who underwent our non-operative uh, treatment protocol and versus patients who did not one year later, right? So we have a control group now. Um, and it's astounding to see that, you know, what the patients who were treated have shown to have a statistically uh, significant decrease in the number of surgeries required um, versus patients who, who didn't undergo the treatment, wow. um, as well as decrease in overall just procedures, right, diagnostic and therapeutic. So because they were getting better, they stopped searching for answers, right? So the decrease in cystoscopies, endoscopies, um, uh, colonoscopies, uh, procedures that were diagnostic um, decreased significantly because they were feeling better. So they stopped searching for the answer. Wow. Um, and then also, yeah, just decreasing overall um, treatments required. So it's been it's been amazing to see for the patient um, as well as the healthcare system, just was, decreasing the burden. I was going to say you're bringing down costs across the board from diagnostics to actual procedures. And from what I understand is even if you have an endo procedure, it's not a one and done. It could come back and you need multiple. Is that correct? That's exactly right, Elliot. I mean, endometriosis, which does represent about 70 to 75% of our female patient population, um, is a chronic disease process, right? So um, conceptually, the data says um, post-operatively 50% of patients require a second surgery within wow. five years. So it is, so it is, you know, and conceptually at PRM, what we're trying to do is decrease the total number of surgeries our poor patients have to undergo, right? So, um, so essentially that is, that is really our mission and our goal uh, to decrease the total number to work with, you know, high level surgeons, but really not have them running into surgery every year. Sure. You're going to try to keep them away from the surgeons as long as they can until that's their right mm -hmm. option. Exactly, exactly. And endometriosis itself grows or proliferates in 
inflammation, right? So something called pro-inflammatory cytokines that can hang around in the pelvis and the peritoneum. Um, when they are present, endometriosis grows even more. So it's estrogen dependent, but then it also proliferates in inflammation. So conceptually, when we are doing a direct treatment, going in there and increasing blood flow, reversing that neurogenic inflammatory process in the pelvis, it, it, it will help slow down the progression of endo continuously spreading and growing. Sure. And how does this impact fertility? I know that's a big concern as a society, how the data shows us that it is becoming more and more challenging every year for women and men to have children. Yes. Yes. I mean, fertility um, is extremely common. And with endometriosis, it presents with pain and or fertility, sometimes often both, right? So there is quite a bit of a crossover. And how does the, what's the connection with endometriosis and fertility? Uh, multiple reasons. One is more mechanical, because I has, as I had explained prior, it, with endometriosis, you get these plaques that get inflamed and scarring, right? Inflamed and healing, which is like a scarring or adhesions, we call them. Sure. So they can mechanically block the fallopian tubes, right? So it's a mechanical problem with endo. Sure. And then in addition, the effects of endometriosis on the endocrine system, something called the HPA access, hypothalamic pituitary access. So that also cause causes fertility and endometriosis patients. And then the third reason really is coming back to what we had discussed is that neuroinflammatory process and that immune neuroinflammatory issue in the pelvis um, that we had talked about can be challenging for um, pregnancy uh, to hold, right? When things are inflamed, the implantation. How much of this is related to what you consume dietarily speaking, um, with all this inflammation, right? It feels like for a long time, you know, people were, have been eating things that are really causing gut issues, pelvic issues, inflammatory issues. Do you spend a lot of time focusing on adjusting the diets for your patients? Uh, we, we do. I mean, the data, we don't have strong data on it, to be honest with you, on the direct effect of diet and nutrition and lifestyle on endometriosis specifically. Um, however, uh, we do. I mean, conceptually, we have a fantastic integrative nutrition course. We actually have two of them, um, Jen Navon and Mo Monique Bogni. Um, really, one is for endometriosis only, and one is really just talking about gut health uh, overall. Sure. Um, but we do really work closely with our, our patients, either one-on-one -on -one or in these group courses, to review um, detoxing, right? Detoxing really your diet and your everything, like your body and your cabinets, this exposure to chemicals overall, yeah. um, as well as, you know, a diet that is classically anti-inflammatory, um, uh, cutting out, you know, dairy and gluten is pretty common. Um, sure. And then going through what to eat, you know, um, making it as, as fun as possible. And you do tailor it to the, to the patient. Uh, but yes, I mean, classically, when we see patients, 
we do our, you know, our standard treatment, our direct treatment um, to get them better, right? Because they're, they're coming in, they're uncomfortable. Um, they have, whether it's even pain around intercourse or bladder or bowel or, or constant lower abdominal pain, whatever it would be, uh, but they're uncomfortable. So we get them more comfortable. We get them, uh, their, their pain down, we get them functioning, right? And then at that point is when we really take more time to talk about lifestyle. Um, because I, we think, and we believe at PRM, it's a strong uh, factor for uh, flares, you know, flares or relapse, right? Um, so once we don't just say, have take this diet when they're not feeling well, we really do our treatment, we get them better. But once they're in a better place, that's when, you know, I think they can really listen and say, if you change this, then um, it will help. It will help long term. So we talk about nutrition, exercise, sure. right? Exercise overall. Uh, so many things, right? Benefits for the uh, oxidative stress there and uh, the brain and the pelvis. Um, and then we also talk a lot about breathing. So some mi like mindfulness, meditation, muscle relaxation, and the effects on the deep breathing with the vagus nerve which again goes through the central nervous system con connecting to the pelvic floor. So we have a lot of lifestyle, uh, but quite often we do it once they're in a bit more comfortable place. Yeah. You start with the short-term strategy yeah. and then you deploy the long-term. Exactly. Exactly. Makes a lot of mm -hmm. sense. I, I love what you guys are doing and it sounds like you're changing a lot of lives and keeping people away from surgery as much as you can, um, unless that's their best option. You're bringing down the cost for the whole healthcare system. You're bringing down the cost for the payers. Um, why does it feel like there's not enough groups like yours out there? Yeah, Elliot, I know. I think it's a newer field, right? So we're, so for, for, it's a newer field. Um, classically, I was a patient, I had my own issues, which is how I kind of got into this. Um, and classically, I mean, GYNs um, were really looking at this, but they have a lot in their plate, right? There's a lot they have to look at, including ruling out cancer, delivering babies, a lot going on. Um, sure. And I think that PM&R docs hadn't, or even family practice doctors hadn't really taken a look at this field before. So, mm -hmm. but I think we are uh, the pe great people to quarterback it, um, mm -hmm. nurse practitioners as well. Um, so, so it's a newer field that's being created. And really, I just wanted a better way because classically before what we were doing, it was kind of transvaginal blind and um, or if it was guided, it was under an x-ray C-arm, which it has radiation and young women don't really love radiating their ovaries, right? So it's sure. for ultrasound. And then also um, the location was, in, was more risky. So it's a, in a location that's less risky and more comfortable. So it was kind of for myself, that's what had, had happened. So something that was more comfortable, could go on with your day, didn't need anesthesia um, and, and more efficacious. Uh, so that's really where it came about and it's a newer field. So I think we're growing. Um, I'm just always honored when another um, either nurse practitioner, doctor wants to join us and it gets excited and gets behind the mission and just really um, uh, becomes passionate about this, I think, amazing new field that's needed and growing. Absolutely. I think you guys are providing access that is just not out there, unfortunately, like it should be. Um, but it, you're scaling quickly and it sounds like you're in a lot of major cities around the country and will continue growing at an awesome pace. I'll leave you with this question. What are you most excited about for the next few years? What is the game plan? Uh, two, three years. Um, what's, what's most exciting for you at PRM? 
So at PRM, I'm really excited to continue to grow and uh, across the country with our with new sites, new de novo sites, as well as continue to provide access to care, right? To continue to work with insurances um, and the healthcare system, um, provide access to care for patients who really need it, um, as well as uh, save our healthcare system um, money. Sure. One more follow-up question is, do you see um, the diagnostics getting any um, improving to get people without having to have a surgery to know this is what they have with endometriosis? With endometriosis? Yes, the diagnostic for endometriosis, I'm hopeful will come down the pathway fairly soon. I know there's several kind of things out there. We sure. at PRM and I specifically have worked closely with something called the ROSE trial, Research Outsmarts Endometriosis. So we are, have been involved with collecting the data and um, what it is is uh, analyzing uh, menstrual effluent uh, uh, for biomarkers uh, sure. that may uh, show endometriosis uh, versus not. Um, so that is out there. There's multiple things, I think, coming down the pipeline. And I am hopeful that uh, one day, you know, we'll, we'll have a diagnostic for endometriosis that is not that is not surgery. And a solution that does not require multiple surgeries. Exactly, exactly. So, yes, that's exactly right. Well, Allison, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and continue uh, scaling and providing access uh, to this unbelievable care you're delivering. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.